Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I don't want to <clears throat> give everybody an opportunity. Anybody else have anything on your heart? All right. If you have your Bibles, go to Joshua chapter 3. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 3. <clears throat> really nervous today about what to preach. I even told Kim, I was like, normally when I... You know, when, I, when I'm preaching, I have a thought on my mind that I'm constantly thinking about through like the week prior, or I've got a, normally got a thought on my heart, and uh, Kim said, what are you preaching on today? And I said, honestly, I really just don't know. The Lord is just not giving me anything, and I studied today and prayed today, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to show something to me, and I really didn't know, and I opened up an old Bible. I saw some notes that I had written in the book of Joshua, and I got to reading it, and it blessed my heart, and I thought, well, this may not be probably the most dynamic sermon tonight, but... It blessed my heart, and hopefully I can uh, uh, pass it on to you. I, I love the book of Joshua. I love the book. Actually, I love the, the Exodus, the story about the children of Israel, the, all through the, the story of Moses. I love those stories about because it's so, it's so real because truth of the matter is we may not have been there in Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, but there's a picture in all of that stuff that we can relate. If you're saved, that you can relate to tonight in your life. Uh, we know the story of Egypt, of course, is a picture of the world. Uh, we know that God sent Moses to the world um, to, to bring the children of Israel out. They crossed the Red Sea. That's a picture of salvation. I remember when God uh, uh, sent a preacher my way to preach the gospel. I got saved. God he came to where I was at. He preached the gospel. I got saved. I crossed the Red Sea, so to speak, salvation. And then there's that picture of the wilderness. Uh, you know, the wilderness is a must for every Christian life. I read in the Bible where I think it was an 11 days journey through the wilderness to get to, to, to Canaan. And uh, so it's a must, but I don't think, I think the children of Israel took it a little bit too far and spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And uh, I think about the wilderness. When you got saved, you became a baby Christian. You took time and you grew. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, I, don't, I can't honestly say, I don't believe that everybody probably is living in victorious Christian life right now because if you did, I believe this would be overflowing the banks with, with revival, and I, believe, I don't think we could contain it if everybody was full of the, of the Canaan land in their lives. But the truth of the matter is, let's just be honest, most of our churches today, we spend a lot of time in the wilderness. We, and it's that carnal Christianity that we just really can't seem to surrender, which is representing the, uh, the Jordan River is a good picture of surrender, of saying, Lord, here's my life, totally use it. And it's, it's encouraging to me to see those that do fully surrender to God and say, Lord, I want to live victorious. And then we see the picture of Canaan. We see all those, those throughout the Word of God. And, but for 40 years, the children wandered in the wilderness. And they spent just wandering. And I remember uh, uh, when, I, when I was a teenager, when I, you know, first learning about the Christian life after God saved me and stuff, I remember... Uh, I mean, I just thought everybody was supposed to be gung-ho and have 100%, man, just preach sin, you know. And I didn't know anything about growing in grace, you know. I mean, you got to give these new Christians, these new converts, you got to be gracious to them. And, man, I was like a bulldog, you know, like, man, just bless God, you know, this guy right here. And I remember we had a guy that got saved, and he showed up to visitation with a pack of marble reds in his front pocket. And I was like, man, can't let him go out and knock doors. And the preacher's like, wait a minute now, you know. This guy is a new Christian. He's learning. He's growing in grace. And that Christian's, that new Christian, his testimony was, is, hey, you know, I used to smoke three packs a day. I'm down to a pack a week. And the preacher was like, praise God. You know, man, never thought I'd get excited over my member smoking. You know, he's like, but he was growing in grace. And the preacher had enough wisdom to say, hey, he's a growing Christian. He's, he's growing and you got to leave him alone. 
and I understand that. But the problem is, is we uh, 40 years down the road, we're still hanging on to that, well, I'm a baby Christian. Uh, the truth of the matter is we've got to grow up at some time. And that's what I love about the book of Joshua. God gave the children of Israel a great leader and a man of God, Moses. I mean, Moses, I believe, walked with God. I believe he talked with God. And I believe that he had a good relationship with God. And I believe he was more than qualified to lead the children of Israel uh, uh, through, the, through, through uh, the wilderness to the promised land. But because of their carnality, because of their stubbornness, we know that, that Moses never got to lead his children. So we come to the book of Joshua and we find out that God's going to pass it over to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, that's just an amazing chapter. If you read it, man, the victory that God promises you, it amazes me. I think I counted this afternoon over 11 times the Word of God says that Joshua, the, 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 the Word of God says in the book of Joshua chapter 1 that that land I have given it to you. And I thought, what a blessing to know that Canaan is a gift to the child of God. Did you realize this morning that Canaan is already given to you? You have possessed it. I'm, you imagine tonight after church if Brother Wilson came up to me and put his arm around me and said, Brother, you can do this if you want to, brother, and said, Brother Casey, I love you so much. I went today to the Chevrolet dealership and I brought you a brand new 2018 Chevy Silverado 2500 diesel. This is four-wheel drive. It's loaded. It's got everything you want. And I would say, praise God, hallelujah. And he said, but all, I went ahead and had it put in your name. I paid for it. It's yours. All you have to do is go get it. And y'all imagine, if he told me that tonight, next Wednesday night, he came to me and said, Brother Casey, how do you like in that truck? And I said, well, Brother Wilson, I've not gone to get it yet. What? You're not going to get it? So no, I'm going to, but I just haven't gone to get it. So let's say six months pass down the road, and Brother Wilson comes to me and says, have, have you gotten that truck? Well, Brother, it's still sitting there, but I promise you, I'm going to get it. I would be kind of foolish, would I not? But you know whatever happened to everyone? God has given every single one of us access to Canaan. He has said it's yours. And in Joshua chapter 1, he says, now go possess it. And uh, truth of the matter is, it's, it's a big difference, in, but it's a similarity because it's ours for the taking. We just have to go claim it and possess it tonight. But that's what Joshua chapter 1 is. And I thought about Canaan being a gift. The victorious Christian life is a gift from God. I thought about in Joshua chapter 1, spiritual prosperity. We find out as a result from having a right relationship with the Word of God. Joshua chapter 180 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Uh, let me just tell you, spiritual prosperity tonight is, is not what your bank account looks like. It's not how well off you are. If you want to have spiritual prosperity tonight, you better get in the Word of God because that is where you will prosper as a Christian. The key to the Canaan land is to get in the Word of God. Uh, I've, I've made a New Year's resolution this year. I'm, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm not going to miss any day. I'm going to read it. I'm going to dedicate. I, this is going to be the year of the Bible in my personal life. And I even took it to our teenagers. I challenged them. I gave them a Bible reading schedule and I said, you can read the New Testament if you go on this schedule in two months. Let's just read it. So that's our first challenge. We're going to read the New Testament in two months. I'm trying to get excited to get our teenagers excited. Man, I want to read the Bible all the way through again in 2018. This Because this is where you'll find spiritual prosperity. And it encouraged me to read Joshua chapter 1 again. We think about the wilderness in Joshua in the book. We find out that the wilderness has some victory but mostly defeat. Whereas Canaan has some defeat, but mostly victory. Uh, listen, in Canaan, if you're living in Canaan, it's not going to be the uh, the Joel Osteen smiles all the time. You are going to have some defeat in the land of Canaan, but you're going to have mostly 
victory in the land of Canaan. And just some simple things that we see um, about the land of, of, of this, about the land of Canaan and living over there. And, uh, and I got to thinking about here in Joshua chapter 3 as we come, I thought about 40 years of the wilderness of, of Moses leading his people. We come to Joshua, he's turned it over to Joshua, and now Joshua is thinking, can you imagine when God came to Joshua and said, all right, Joshua, now Moses is dead. I'm going to let you take the children of Israel. Joshua was thinking, oh, man, I've seen the heartache and the stress that Moses had dealing with these people. Now you're giving it to me. But, you know, Joshua, he went on and he said he did it. We come to chapter 3 of Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 3, and you look in verse 14, the Bible says, and when it came past, when it came to pass, when the people were removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon the very, a very heap of the far city, Adam that is beside Zeratin, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, um, uh, uh, and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on a dry ground until the people were passed clean over Jordan. And I thought about this verse as I was reading today, and I got to thinking from Exodus, all the story through, through uh, Deuteronomy, through Joshua, we see, and I think, what a day that was when they finally crossed over Jordan and went into the land that they were, that, that was their destination, that was their goal for the last 40 years. And I don't know maybe if it's because it's the new year, but I got to thinking about that and I thought a similarity of this new year. I don't know what, what your personal, I know everybody is different. You know, truth of the matter is, if whether you've lived in the wilderness or whether you've lived in Canaan in the past, but I thought what a great year, what a new start, a new beginning to claim 2018 to be able to say, I'm going to live my life in Canaan this year. And I imagine if I could somehow tonight just magically just take the church and somehow let's just go to the Jordan River and set us all right there in the brink of the Jordan and look over at the wilderness and look over at Canaan in front of us and say, now it's yours to take. The wilderness is past. I think there's some things that I, as we look back at the wilderness, some things tonight that we could reminisce on that would do us good and for the land of Canaan. Uh, let me just say the wilderness... There is some good that comes out of the wilderness. Uh, and and it's, it, you think about the children of Israel as they were standing there, as they reminisced over 40 years of what God and what they had themselves had put themselves up to and what they have allowed to happen in their lives. But now they're standing on the brink and they're fixing to cross into that promised land. And I begin to think as if I was that people, I couldn't help but think that as they looked over on the left side of the Jordan and they seen the land of the wilderness and they looked to the right side and seen Canaan, Maybe they thought, man, what, so I, I just, I titled this, I guess, tonight, some things I'll never forget about the wilderness. And I imagine there was, as they looked there, standing in the middle, they looked to the left and looked to the right and thought, I'm fixing to start a new chapter in my life, but there's some things that I'm never going to forget about the wilderness. And tonight, I just want to simply say that I believe it'll do us some good. I know the Bible says no man should put their hand to the plow and look back. Hey, we ought to plow forward. But there's some good things about the wilderness that I think we ought to remember that will help us live in the victorious Christian life if we're willing to claim that possession. Number one, I want to say, 
I'll never forget about the people that God placed in my life in the wilderness. Hey, listen, can you imagine having Moses as a leader? I mean, you imagine being under his leadership, you, you knowing that he walked with God, knowing that Moses uh, sacrificed for the people, knowing that Moses gave it his all, knowing that Moses was the reason they were where they were at today. Can you imagine having Moses and thinking, I am so glad that God placed that man in my life. Hey, listen, uh, and, then, and then to have Joshua, a man of Joshua's stature to say, I'm going to pick up the reins where Moses left off and I'm going to continue to be that man that Moses was to my people. Hey, listen, tonight I, I never sat under the, under the leadership of Brother Cape. I've heard a lot of great success, but can you imagine there are members here tonight that have sat under the great success of Brother Cape. They sat under his leadership They've watched him pray for their souls. They've seen him come visit their sick. They've pre- he's preached their family's funerals. And they sat under the leader. And now we've got Brother Gravel, who I believe, let me say, is, is uh, what, what, I remember talking to somebody and I was like, could you imagine Brother Gravely coming into that church at, at a young age and having to fill Brother Cape's shoes? What a responsibility. I mean, but you know what Brother Gravely tells us? He said he was nervous, but he says, you know what? The people loved on him, and he just prayed, and he was like, I knew I would never be able to fill those shoes, but you know what? He's done a good job leading those people tonight. And I think what a great leader, what a great man to have in his life. Hey, listen, looking back, aren't you glad for those people that have invested in your lives tonight? Aren't you glad for the people, the God's people that he's placed in your life in the past? Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but it was people investing in my life that put me where I'm at today. Uh, There's so many. I can look back at my parents and think about my parents. Teenagers, you got parents that sacrifice. They send you to a Christian school. Hey, they pay for, they pay for your clothes. They pay for the roof. They work a job so that you can have food and have a roof over your head. You ought to thank God for the people in your lives that you have what you have today. Hey, we're such an unthankful people. We don't, uh, we're an unthankful people and we're not even thankful for the people that God has placed in our lives. And I'm so thankful tonight for the people that God has placed in my life. Listen, if it wasn't for somebody preaching to me uh, like our preacher preaches to us, if it wasn't for somebody who's teaching me and loving on me when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, or even today where I'm at now, I wouldn't have the things that I have tonight. And I want to say we ought to be thankful. I'll never forget the wilderness, the people that God has placed in my life. Hey, listen, uh, aren't you glad I understand that God has done those things, but aren't you glad that God sends people our way to be a blessing to us? Aren't you glad that God lets people be the ones that lead us, that guide us, and they're there when our when we're sick, they're there when we're discouraged, they're there to encourage you, they're there to, to be a blessing and to pick you up? Uh, don't you think Moses probably got tired of the children of Israel along that journey? I mean, at some point in his life, don't you think Moses said, I've given my whole life to these people? And because of their stubbornness and because of their discontent, I'm never going to get there. These people are going to hold me back from getting to the promised land. But you know what? He never quit. He never wavered. He never gave up on his faith. He just kept doing what God called him to do and for the, because he loved the people and he loved what God called him to do. I'll never forget about the, some things I'll never forget about the wilderness. I'll never forget God's people, Moses and Joshua's in my life. And I thought about number two, some things that I can never forget about the wilderness was God's provisions. You know, in Exodus chapter 16, I thought about 
You remember when the children of Israel came to Moses and the Bible says they murmured against him and they said, we're just going to, you brought us out of Egypt so you could bring us over here and starve us to death? I mean, what kind of man are you, Moses? And I thought about that and you know what Moses did? I believe Moses, he got up and he prayed and said, God, these people are going to turn their back on me. If if you don't provide something, Lord, they're going to kill me. And you know what, you know what God did? He had manna fall out of heaven and he, he fed the children of Israel to where there was, I mean, it was so much that it was going bad because they couldn't eat all of it. And I thought back about the, my life, looking back in the wilderness of my life, and if I'm standing on the brink of Jordan fixing the cross into Canaan, scared about maybe what the future holds, aren't you glad that you can look back and see that God provided for you in the wilderness and knowing that God's going to provide for you on the other side as well? Hey, listen, I'm so glad for the provisions that God has placed in my life. Aren't you glad when, when you didn't know where the money was going to come from to pay for your bills? Aren't you glad that God paid them anyways? Hey, aren't you glad that when you didn't know how you was going to put food on your table, that God provided groceries when you didn't know where they were going to come from? I'm so glad for the provisions tonight that God has placed in my life. Hey, listen, God has given Bible Baptist, God's provided for Bible Baptist Church, hasn't he? Uh, it amazes me that God is blessing financially like he does the way he has to our church. And I say, if God can provide financially, then God can do, he can do it in the future as well. If God has done it in the wilderness times of our lives, I know that God can provide in the victorious Christian life, living of our life as well. I think about the provisions that God, you know, God has provided us uh, we, we, I know when we think about provisions, we think about financials. But you know, God has provided some things that you can't replace but financially in our lives. God's provided us a place, a rest for the weary. Aren't you glad on a Wednesday night service you can just step away from the world and come to the house of God and, and hear the word of God preached and, and hear the great songs of Zion sung. And aren't you glad that you can come and, and, and lift up your voice unto the Lord and brag on God? And aren't you glad that you can hit an altar and thank God, hey, he has provided you a place that money cannot buy tonight. I'm so glad for the provisions that God has allowed in our life. I remember before we came here, the circumstances that happened when we left, was was just a horrible story. And I remember leaving, I'm thinking, man, we're going to leave our own church. There's nowhere to go. I mean, we visited a few places, and every place we walked in, it was great people. It was great preachers. But it just didn't feel like home. We would go visiting, and we was like, well, it's a good preacher. It's a good church. But I just don't see myself being a member of that church. And I couldn't think, Lord, why is this? You know, I mean, just... Give me a place that feels like home. I never will forget that first Sunday morning we walked through the doors and the choir was singing. Brother Danny, I think, had a special in that choir. And like Brother Gravely said the other day, he got up and he smiled and it was like he was really enjoying singing that song. And I remember we looked at each other and we was like, man, I like this place. So we said, well, we still got a few churches we're going to try out. So come that night, we said, well, where are we going to go to church tonight at? And we said, like, well, there's so-and-so and there's so-and-so and... I remember dad spoke up and he's like, what about where we went this morning? I kind of liked that pretty good. And he's like, yeah, we did too. So we came back that Sunday night. So it comes time for Wednesday night. Well, where are we going to go tonight? Well, we had such a good service Sunday. Why don't we just go try that place out on Wednesday? Hey, you know what happened? The next thing you know, here I am. It's where I'm raising my kids at. It's, it's where I feel at home at. And God has provided a place spiritually for me and my family. And I say I'm so thankful for the provisions that God has provided in my life. He's provided the financial blessings. He's provided the spiritual blessings in my life. 
tonight. And I want to say, looking forward into the victorious Christian life that God will continue to provide. I think about number three, some things I'll never forget about the wilderness, God's people, God's provisions. And then I thought about God's presence. Look over in Exodus chapter 33, if you will. Exodus chapter 33, verses 12. The Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, Seest, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto them, If my presence go not with me, carry us not up thence, for wherein shall it be known here uh, that I and thy people have found grace uh, in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? And Moses said unto the Lord, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Hey, listen, I'm glad tonight that I can have rest assured in the future. I know because of God's presence in the past that I'm going to have God's presence tomorrow as well. Hey, isn't it good to know you can come to church and be set under the presence of, of the Almighty God? Isn't it know that you can enter that prayer closet and get a hold of an Almighty God? Aren't you glad that he knows you by name tonight? Aren't you glad that the problems you face, that you're not alone because he knows about them as well? Uh, you don't have to confess your problems to me or you don't have to confess your problems to the preacher. We're not Catholics around here. We don't believe in that. But you know, there's a God that knows all about him. And before you even speak the first word, he knows because he's, we have the God's presence. Hey, listen, the truth of the matter is we live in a day and time where everybody's sporting the second commandment. Man, I've got a right to carry. And I say amen to that. If you uh, uh, Don't ask, don't tell. Hey, listen, I mean, I'm, amen. Carry it wherever you go. Carry that protection. But you know, there's something that I carry with me that's a whole lot stronger than a 45 caliber or a 40 caliber. And I've got the presence of an almighty God that walks with me where I go. He protects me wherever I go. And uh, he's with me everywhere I go. Hey, and, and he can do things that... that that those things can't protect me from, but God can protect me from. You know what? God has a way of rerouting situations to where he don't even come by my way. He has a way that, I, have you ever gone down the interstate and you thought, I'm going to turn on Smith Street right here to go to the house. That's a shortcut. And you think, you get to Smith Street and the Lord says, why don't you just go another? For so You don't even know, maybe it's not even the Lord. You just think, something inside of you says, well, I'm going to go down here to, James Street. You go to James Street and you turn down it and you get to the house and you turn on the news and you hear about an a accident. Somebody killed on Smith Street. You ever done that? You think, man, I don't know why, but God was watching over me. God made me go down the long way to get home that day. You know why? Because God has a way of his presence being with you at all times. He has a way to protect us and to be with us. His presence, God's presence. I'm so glad for the presence of God I, hey, listen, I don't want to be in a service where God's presence is not. Hey, if God didn't meet with us in church, if God's presence didn't fall down from heaven, you know what, we'd do us good just to stay at home, wouldn't it? Hey, if we can come to church and not have the presence of God, it's like we're doing it all in vain and it's not even worth our time. But aren't you glad tonight that God's presence has been with us? And I think and say tonight that some things I'll never forget about the wilderness is God's presence. And then I thought about God's promise. Joshua chapter 1, <clears throat> back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 
5, the Bible says, um, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Thou shalt not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Aren't you glad for the promises of God tonight? Hey, he's promised to protect us. He's promised to, to be there when, when, we're, when, we're, when we need somebody's shoulder to cry on. Aren't you glad that he's the dearest friend that'll never leave us? Hey, he's there when we need him. He's prom the, the promises of God. I think about the song tonight, Standing on the Promises. If it wasn't for the promises of God tonight, can you imagine how, how discouraged we would be headed into tomorrow? But I'm so glad that I know I've got a hand that's going to hold mine through the hard times. He's going to be there by my side when I think that there is no end in sight. Hey, I'm glad for the promises of God. Uh, you know, as the children of Israel, they were standing there. I believe they were getting ready to cross into Canaan. They thought, man, it's been a 40 years of heartache, but it's been 40 years. So there have been some good times. But you know what? I'm fixing to cross into a whole other chapter of our life. And they begin to reminisce. They said, I want to thank God for his people that he's put in our lives. I thank God for the provisions that he's given me. I thank him for his presence. I thank him for the promises that he's given me. And as they begin to think back and reminisce of all the blessings and all the good things, I just, in my mind, I can't help but think as they looked over there and saw Canaan, they said, he's going to be there with me in God's perfect will. Hey, listen, as they, you know, I believe it was the perfect will of God for every Christian. I can't tell you what capacity the will of God is for your life, but I believe the perfect will of God is for every Christian is to experience life in Canaan in that victorious Christian life. And what a, what a blessing to know that the God of the wilderness is going to be right there with us when we cross over into Canaan. And, uh, and I, I think so many Christians, they rob themselves of joy. They rob themselves of the, of the perfect will of God by not claiming what God has already given them. Just as I said about that truck, if Brother Wilson came up and gave me, I would be crazy to not go and claim a vehicle that was already bought and purchased for me. You know, God bought your soul. You're bought with a price. He purchased your soul with his blood. He's given you victory, and yet many of us are so content sitting in the wilderness that we'll never experience God's perfect will. You know, I remember as a kid thinking about well, I'm, I'm kind of scared of God's perfect will because what if, God, what if God sends me to Africa somewhere? I'll be away from my family. and I used to think like that. And now I think, man, I, I want to be where God wants me to be. Uh, if God calls me to Africa, I'd be scared not to go to Africa. If God called me, uh, brother, to the Philippines, I'd be scared not to go to the Philippines. But you know what? There's something about being in the perfect will of God that says that's where you want to be. You ought to want to be in that perfect will of God. And you know what? So many of us, we get so shy. We get right there to the brink of Jordan. And we think, you know what? For 40 years, there's been some heartache and there's been some triumph. But I'm so content with my life, I think I'll just sit right here. And you know what? Many of us Christians will die at the brink of Jordan instead of, by faith, going over into the promised land. You know, I thought about this, the Jordan River and the Red Sea. The Red Sea, I think, is a picture of salvation, God bringing you out of Egypt. You know, the Red Sea is similar to the Jordan River because when you surrender to the Christian life, you know what you're doing? You're surrendering by faith. It's by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. And it's a picture, you're not saved by your surrender, but you know what, through, you surrender by faith. Uh, you know what, Josh and Melissa, I think, as they went to Guatemala, they didn't do that because... I mean, they wanted to, but you know why they got along that plane? Because they had faith 
that God was going to bless them. They went above and beyond and they through faith accepted their surrender. And tonight, many of us, we lack so much in that area that we say, I'm so comfortable living right here at the brink of Jordan. By faith, I just cannot go the next step and cross over that Jordan. And in doing so, they missed the perfect will of God for their lives. And uh, I thought about that tonight. I thought about a story I read of a missionary by the name of John Patton. He went to the island of Aniwa. And it's, I was reading about that article, and I thought about the perfect will of God. And he said he went to several islands and uh, with some cannibals, and I, I think the death of his wife and a few other circumstances, he remarried, and it led him to this island of Aniwa. And he said he went to Aniwa, and the people were so, they were so wrapped up in their idolatry and the worship and their gods, he thought, I'm never going to be able to reach these people. They, just, they don't trust me. I, I mean, I, I stand out. They don't trust me. I'm not, I'm not I'm foreign. You know, I'm not from this island. And I'm never going to gain these people trust, and they're never going to hear the gospel. And so the problem on that island was they were surrounded by ocean. There was no fresh water. All their water was stagnant. They would use it. They would have to boil it. It was just there was no fresh, clean water. And it, something, I guess the Lord spoke to missionary John Patton one day and said, if you can provide these people with a source of drinking water, they'll trust you and they'll hear the gospel. And so he came to the chief of this tribe and said, listen, God sent me to help y'all find water. And the, preacher, the, the, pre, the chief was like, great, you know, we'll do whatever we can to help you. And he said, what we're going to do is, is we're going to dig a well. And the chief said, we don't know what a well is. And he said, we're going to dig a hole deep in the ground, and there's, God's going to provide water through that well, and it's going to come up, and we're going to be able to give your people clean drinking water. And the chief was of that, of that tribe thought, man, this guy's crazy. Rain comes down from heaven, not up from the ground, you know. And he, this guy's crazy. And uh, he said, well, we'll give you a chance, but, you know, water is not going to come from the ground. It's going to come from the sky. And, he, you know, through the English barrier, he, he told him, said, just trust me. And so he began to dig and dig and dig. And he even got some of the villagers there to pitch in and help him. And after days of digging, the walls collapsed in and all the dirt filled back up. And so they had to redig and he began to, to get a little bit of, people began to criticize him, saying, man, this guy's crazy. We don't want nothing that he has to offer us. He's done lost his mind. And through, through digging and just persistence and not giving up, they said he got about 30 feet deep in that well, and the water began to rise up so fast that he had to hurry up and get out of that hole that he was digging before he drowned in that water. And the chief said, oh, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. If your God can provide water then we trust to hear what you have to tell us about your God. And John Patton preached to those people. That chief got saved, and then many other the tribe, the followers, got saved because John Patton never gave up. He went to that island, and he did what God called him to do. He provided water, and before you know it, the people were drinking from the living water of the Word of God. And you know what? Tonight I thought about us as Christians. How many of us are right there on the brink? We won't step out of our comfort zone. Uh, you know what? Uh, we, won't, we won't give a little bit of extra to missions. We won't come in on Saturday visitation. We won't participate. We won't sing in the choir because we're comfortable right where we sit. What could God do with us in 2018 if we said, Lord, I'm not, I, I'm not content with sitting right here on the brink of Jordan. I want to go into the promised land. I promise you what God did in the wilderness, he'll do for you in Canaan. And I know it's not much tonight, but I know there's a great truth behind what I just said. The simple fact is, is if we'll simply surrender to God and say, God, 
I know what you did for me, you'll do for me again. He'll do it over again and over and over and over. Hey, listen, the goodness of God never gets old as a Christian, does it? it he, he never expired. His grace will never expire. His mercies never end. I'm glad that he's the same God today, tomorrow, and forever. Hey, listen, he'll be there for you. And I simply challenge us tonight, man, wouldn't it be a blessing to see our church say, you know, every one of our church say, members of our church say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to cross into Canaan for 2018. Man, could you imagine the revival services that we would have? Could you imagine the Sunday morning? Man, I'm just telling you, Sunday morning preacher got hooked up, and I mean, God blessed that Sunday morning service. Could you imagine if every service was like that? The victory, the blessings that we would get out of a victorious Christian living church. It would be a blessing, wouldn't it? And you know what? God was good to us in 2017. He promised he'll be good to us in 2018. But what is our faith? What is keeping us from saying, Lord, I'm no longer content with standing on the brink. I want to go over to the promised land. And I don't know about you. Hey, next year this time I may look back and say, I tried to go into Canaan, but I failed. But I promise you for 2018, my heart's desires, I'm going to try to live that victorious Christian life. What about it tonight? How about you? Would you be willing to try it as well? Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for all that you do. Lord, I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to, to, to step over, Lord, and live that victorious Christian life. And thank you for all the goodness you've done in our lives. And, Lord, as we look forward to continue seeing the blessings from you, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.